Hi, and welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. Join us for interviews, updates and chat with artists, influencers and those that manufacture the gear that we love. Hello, and after a very, very, very long time off, welcome to 9 to 42, which is the podcast from the guys at the Guitar Show UK. And... It's been ages, which means Jace has moved offices after falling out with his previous landlord. How are you, Jace? I'm all right. Thanks, mate. Am I allowed to mention that? No, not really. Let's just move on. Oh, okay. Fine, fine. So how are you then, anyway? I'm good. I'm good. show's doing really well. In fact, the show is actually sold out, so happy days. Just just for our one listener, every time I speak to Jace, the first thing he says is, oh, I'll give you an update. The show's, the show's sold out. So as far as I'm concerned, it's been sold out for six months, but every single time we speak, it's actually sold out again. Does that mean it's really sold out, or are you giving me the salesman spiel now? No, no, it genuinely, um, unless anybody pulls out, this is it, it's full. Can't get any more people in. And we haven't done one of these since the new, the last show, have we? We have. Did we do some after it? We did some after it, yeah. Right, okay. I'm losing all, all sort of track uh, <laughs> of, of where we are. Anyway, we're back with a bang with series number... Series Three. one? Three? Three. Um, and over the moon to have Andy Guitar with us for the very first episode. So hello to you, Andy. Hello, guys. How are we? Good, thank you. Good. So, I'm, really, uh, I'm really well. I've just had quiche. I'm, I don't know why that should... <laughs> but I've had quiche and I'm feeling fine. Quiche is good. Um, you know, Lorraine's quiche and, and bless her. <laughs> good. And it was, it was top draw. We... <laughs> We we came on this call and we and the the first question as always is with me is oh that's a strange accent where you're from so I'm going to ask Andy the same question again which is oh Andy that's a strange accent where you're from <laughs> yeah so um, Barnsley originally which is in South Yorkshire north of England but that is via university in Huddersfield um, that is via Leeds which has an awful lot of uh, London people in Leeds as well. I think they move up for work. And I've now lived in Brighton for six years. Uh, so, yeah, it's via all those places. I also talk on the internet for a living. So if I spoke with a, a Barnsley accent, which is a bit more A up now than Sivvy, no one would have a blinking clue what I was on about. So, yeah, I certainly, I enunciate a lot more on the internet than I do in real life, so my partner tells me. You do enunciate beautifully, actually. Thank you. It's like when you go to the Nam show, and and like obviously I'm a Brummie, and like I turn into Hugh Grant when I'm in California. Otherwise, they'd never <laughs> understand a word that I was saying. You have to. There's a thing where you're trying to be authentic to the accent, but your dialect has to go. Otherwise, people just go, "Sorry, what did you say?" <laughs> and it's on things that you'll never understand. But I had that even the first week of university, because even at university in Huddersfield, it was mainly. Well, anyone from down south, far more southerners than northerners there, as we'd say, and um, a lot of people from London. So, yeah, they could not. I, I'd literally say, hey, uh, you know, uh, what would I say? Hey, up, I'm Andy, something like that. And they would go, what? what? Um, you're, so, you're a what? And yeah, I didn't. I really didn't take offence. It's just like you just have to figure it out, I guess. Well, I'm going to jump in here because I have questions, mainly because I live in home Firth. So oh, I'm not, a lovely part of the world. I'm not. I've far been to away. the. I've been to the Picture Dome, by the way. Ah, oh, yeah. Well, it's a stunning venue. Fantastic <clears throat> venue. Pretty Think- much the cheapest pint you will be able to buy in a live music venue, <laughs> at least in the UK. And and still one of the best little sweat boxes of a venue around. It's it's a fantastic. It has venue. a balcony though. It's not it's not too little a sweat box. It's got a slanted floor as well. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fantastic. I saw Michael Parkinson there. Yes, I'm familiar. Hmm. But there we are. Um, anyway. Who else have we got? We've got Darren Goff. We've got uh, Dickie oh, Bird. God, I feel like I'm like Yes, a lot of the cricketers. But Michael Parkinson's a great example where there's a part of um, a suburb of Barnsley called, well, he would say Cudworth, and I could've. would say Cudworth. Yeah. If I was talking to my family, it's Cudworth. Cudworth. Um, or Cudworth. But, um, yeah, it's the vowel sounds, isn't it? And Americans kind of love it. And to, and to a lot of Americans, I find uh, apparently I just sound like a beetle because a bit <laughs> like we are with their accents, they just clump big 
areas of the UK together in accents. So, you know, to us, a Southern American accent all just sounds the same. It's that y'all thing. And um, yeah, to them, I just sound like a beetle. So I'm like, you know what? I will take it. In my yeah. job, that's pretty, pretty good. So quick, quick few questions then. Quick fire. Barnsley Football Club, yes or no? Yes, absolutely. Till I die. Uh, good lad. You're a tyke. Good lad. I like that. Brilliant. I'm a blade, as it goes, but we like blades and, right. and, and Barnsley fans get on quite nicely. Why yeah. Huddersfield? Why Huddersfield University? They had a lot of investment just before I joined, and they had the best recording studios that I saw on the open days. Uh, I also decided I wasn't quite ready yet to take the step to London or anywhere further afield. So I was very much looking in the north of England and that one that one was the one. And for those who don't know, and you can be forgiven for not knowing, actually Barnsley and Huddersfield, which are very close together, very close together, also are actually poles apart. For anybody who's lived in South and West Yorkshire, they are actually quite... They're very northern, both of them, but there is a definite difference when you cross over the M1 and you come across to, to Huddersfield. So it does feel like you're going to a different place. It does, but it was close enough so that I could... Um, Get your washing done. I literally did. I also worked back home. I actually worked at Halfords while I was in my first two years of uni on a Saturday and a Sunday. So that's how close they were. Um, but there's entire words that don't exist between even those two places, yeah. which are 45 minutes apart. Like, laking out is the best one. Um, we should probably ask uh, Jason, what does laking out mean? What do you think that means? I have literally no idea. Uh, well, Ant, what would you say? I, do you know what? I've got no idea either. Yes! There you go. So uh, it means playing. Playing out is something you would ask your... Uh, your your mate's mum is your Tony laking out because playing's what something what babies do. But if you're going out playing football, you're laking out. Right. Uh, oh, I like that. Oh, it like only that. exists in about a twenty mile radius. Were you attracted to Huddersfield because you wanted a star a, a Star Trek captain to be your university chancellor? That was a huge thing as well. I really hoped I would get my degree handed to me by the captain of the Starship Enterprise, John Luke Picard. And he did not. He did the day before me. But I did see him. He did a talk in the student union, because he's a legend, um, during or in between filming of one of the X-Men. So it was the coolest thing in the world. And he is the coolest man, one of the coolest men on the planet. He's fantastic, isn't he? Yeah. Huddersfield, you see. So much going on. Who knew <laughs> that you could come to university in Huddersfield and have Patrick Stewart as your university chancellor? Which I think he was yeah, for about seven or eight years. Yeah, I don't know if he is anymore. But um, No, he isn't anymore. Yeah, that, and this is going back to a time when I think everything still was quite... You had to go to a place to do a thing or learn a thing yeah. or get ahead, um, which probably isn't the case anymore. You know, that was 2004 to 2008 for me. Um, and then I was also, during that time, I took a gap year, but it was paid work uh, to work at the Lead Mill in Sheffield. And if you're a Blade, you must know about oh, the Oh, incredible venue. Fighting for its survival a little bit, to be fair. Yes, there's a funny thing going on with the owners, which I there have is. a bit of inside info on, but I probably wouldn't. That'll see trailers on a huge tangent. So, um, But 2006, I was at the Lead Mill, and that was peak indie time, mm. especially just... At the, at the height of the Arctic Monkeys, um, who I happened to know uh, the singer and the drummer of back when I was at Barnsley College, which is where I went 16 to 18. So, yeah, I had a, a, a brush with all of that. And in another life, I might have been one of those indie bands um, because they were, they were, it, was, it was pop music in yeah. 2004 to 2009-ish. Indie music was like it, post the strokes with, um, yeah, Arctic Monkeys and everyone else, the um, Killers, the Kaiser Chiefs. Um, and I could have been one of those. There were so many in Sheffield, but there was something about it that just didn't quite connect. And also I I must have been aware that that wasn't... I, I'm all about having stuff that has legs. I'm all, all about having stuff that can build naturally over time. And if there's anything that's happened with my YouTube channel, that's the way it's happened. It's happened organically over time. Um, I even made the YouTube channel back in 2009, for example. Well, I actually made the YouTube channel in 2006. That was when I actually 
first created it to share videos just with friends and for uni stuff. But 2009 was the first guitar lesson I put up there um, to teach one-to-one privately, just as free advertising. Um, and yeah, the kind of worldwide stuff. The internet opened up the world after then, particularly after YouTube. That's when it really became a thing. Uh, oh, yeah. And the Arctic Monkeys as well with MySpace. That was how they, they became big. So yeah, I guess I, I followed a lot in their... <laughs> somewhat in their footsteps i guess but yeah it was very inspiring for sure I, I went on your youtube channel and i clicked on the oldest video first <laughs> i do that semi-regularly i wondered who else might <laughs> yeah and, uh, I, I was just fascinated because <clears throat> is it the third video is uh or second or third video is, is learn to play like malcolm young yeah man uh, and You've got a spelling mistake in the title. Just, just doesn't let you know. doesn't surprise me. There still are, but no. Now, um, now I have a team uh, of people. Uh, I make sure I I don't put anything out without having two pairs of eyes on it. And if I've written it, I basically get someone else to rewrite it because I'm the worst. <laughs> but uh, obviously, I was, I was so impressed because the, the Malcolm Young one. Uh, so you've got two. Learn to play like Malcolm one and two. And then the next one is Learn to Play Like Angus. Learn to Play Like Malcolm has had 61,000 views, but Learn to Play by Angus has only had 27,000. And I was like, that's awesome, because in that band, Malcolm was the man. I agree. And, and Angus just whittles over the top of whatever Malcolm's done. So um, it was a student who told me that one of those videos had like 20,000 views back in about, 2011 mm. and that was when i went wow really he was like yeah and you might um i don't think it was up quite up up and running yet but adsense wasn't far behind that he was like there's money there you should look into that um and the fact that it was a it was a malcolm young video that did better than angus is it just stems to the fact that i probably play more like malcolm <laughs> to <laughs> angus I, I am more of a, a rhythm guy i can do a lot of lead stuff but I actually enjoy those Malcolm Young-esques, you know, staying on a B chord for pretty much the entire song, but making it sound, giving it a groove, giving it a rhythm. Yeah. yeah. Here's uh, a question a- for both of you then on that subject. While we're there, you know, let's get you on to talk about ACDC. What a, what a, what a great idea. But here's a question then. Do we think, because I'm with everybody that Malcolm's definitely, that that's where we should be looking. That's a, Do you think Angus knows that? And that's why he came up with the school outfit, just to give him a little, a gimmick. Did no, Angus think, actually need a gimmick because of that? No, I think Angus actually came from school when they they started. I think that was the story because he was only about 14 or something. When he was really playing. young, wasn't he? And mm. trust me, it's a gimmick. And for now, it's it's almost like a uniform or a... Um, he literally sees it as a character, a bit like Alice Cooper ended up mm. to, to cope with being Alice. He just literally sees it as a stage persona. I think Angus is the same. Um, but I don't think he did it because Malcolm was going to steal the show. Um, I've actually heard that in the early days, they, as soon as ACDC started playing in a pub, everyone just started fighting. <laughs> and they weren't lobbing fists or beer at the band. They were just lobbing it in the air. So he, the story goes he was running around stage so much, even from, the work, even from day dot, just to avoid being hit. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. He's incredible, though, isn't he? Really, I mean, I've seen DC quite a few times, and like, given that he's what I suppose pushing seventy now, he still runs around like a bloody <clears throat> lunatic. They're getting there, aren't they? Yeah, Mick Jagger turned eighty recently, mm. and I think that is yeah. There's some stunning uh, genetics and luck, but also dedication with that. That uh, that again, I think, is really inspiring. You know, you can say they've made the same album however many times they've written the same song how many times um but it's great and that is one way of having some success especially in music no one wants you to change too much do they well no i mean it hasn't hurt the careers of iron maiden or motorhead or whatever that essentially all the biggest ones really sacrilegious but yeah they are producing essentially the same album over and over again which is in acdc if we're going to go there yeah, yeah, just saying, you know, I mean, there's that famous quote, isn't there? Some interview says to, Al- <clears throat> to Angus or something, you've made the same album 10 times. And he says, no, we haven't. We've made the same album 11 times. Oh, so, and that's not true because, you know, the early stuff is, is way more diverse. I think it was post Back in Black, it becomes almost the same album every single time. But 
with Bond, there was definitely, I mean, you know, bagpipes and it's a long way to the top and stuff like that. That stuff doesn't happen with DC anymore. And I think that's definitely Bond's influence. Yeah, and and therefore I think Brian Johnson can be quite hard done by with that because um, I think he really did regalvanize them when he joined. I mean, what what other band can literally the lead singer can die, and not only do they continue, but months later they release like their biggest commercial album. I mean, it's mm. just unheard of. Yeah, but there's also there's a lot of trauma there with that. There can't not be. Yeah, and. Um, it being in the 80s as well, like music was changing so much more, all these, you can even hear it in uh, the Brian Johnson 80s years and the early 90s, like there's suddenly gated reverbs on stuff, Mm. whereas there just wasn't before because it didn't really exist. Um, But no, I'm a huge fan, I've seen them many times. I've even saw, my favourite memory is seeing them at Wembley, it must have been 2015, something like that. And I had my um, brother's kid, my, my nephew Joseph, on my shoulders. Because he was like eight, and it was getting a bit hairy, but we were pretty close. So I was like, "Come here, boy. There you go." <laughs> so you're talking about guitar. Did, what did you actually study at university? Was it guitar or was it music production? So I made the choice partly from my family going, "You really shouldn't do a BA. You should try and do a BSc if you can." Because what job are you going to get with a BA? Um, Just for the record, I've got a BA. But anyway, carry on. Everyone, any, anyone who's got a degree, listen to this in the creative industries probably has. But my, um, yeah, my family definitely went, um, yeah, from inspiration from them, I did popular music production, but it was as a BSc, uh, yeah, Bachelor of Science. And I actually moved, I changed degrees after two years because my the first one was more music technology based and it included computer programming. And I just couldn't hack it at all. I was definitely going to like fail that module. Um, so I passed, did what I could could to pass that. But then um, it's popular music production, BSc is my actual degree. Mm-hmm. Now, as part of that, there was, there was some web development. There was recording yourself. There was some playing. There was music theory. There was basically how to learn new bits of software, you know, how to use Photoshop. There's a whole design module to mm-hmm. it. And then if you think straight after that, I graduate 2008 and start being a guitar teacher in 2009, that couldn't have set me up any better because no. it wasn't about being the best guitarist at all. You, you had to be more self-sufficient than that. So my gamble um, to do that rather than go somewhere like BIM, um, which was an option, they were, they were absolutely flying in the mid-2000s. And I looked into it and it looked very appealing, but I wanted one that was more practical and, and was, was going to give me more transferable skills, I think is the um, the, the term, um, to be able to be literally, if I was going to record my own songs, for example, if I was going to write my own songs, I wanted to record them. If I was going to be in a band, I was going to be part engineer producer as well. I wasn't just going to, I wasn't just going to turn up, play guitar and go. Um, which is carried through with me, I think. The timing is almost perfect, isn't it? Yeah. For something it like really that, which probably wasn't necessarily set up for what you're doing now, but is such a beautiful fit to what you're doing now. Right at it the really beginning is. of that of that world kicking off. I mean, your timing's been, you know, impeccable. E- even better, I had a little bit of time to. Um, so it was twenty. 13 and 2012 when the ipad came out and when the ipad came out youtube just also kind of went just youtube got a buzz then you know Mm. rather than guitar lessons on it or anything um netflix was becoming a lot more prominent iplayer was a lot more prominent and before them these things just weren't there in their their modern form they just didn't have the amount of users broadband speeds weren't quick enough before like 2010 to do this sort of stuff yeah so I did actually have a window of a few years to figure stuff out. And I was still teching at the lead mill. I was in a wedding band during that time and I was doing one-to-one guitar lessons. Um, but I had to, I had all these different things going. There were more than those, you know, I did lights for O2 Academy and um, Leeds University U- Union. Um, but I was looking at all these, like almost like racehorses going, which one am I going to back? And I ended up backing 
over time just just YouTube and I let all the others go, including one-to-one lessons, really, because it was just taking away time from what would what would eventually lead to a, a full-time job and then being sort of a manager of quite a few staff as I am now, which is crazy to think about. I think the iPad thing as well is really relevant. It's same with the phones as well, but you, for, you had to put people on sofas because iPlay just didn't work on a, on a desktop computer. You're not going to sit in front of a desktop computer for hours on end. You have to put people in comfortable places to let them to let them actually lose time to those things. Yeah. Yeah, you have to make it where you have to take it to where the people are and what they're using. I mean, even laptops, laptops in 2008 were pretty beefy. Yeah, yeah. And then in the 2010s they just became more and more affordable, portable and um more battery life all this kind of thing. And then the creator economy starts where I only learned it was the first time I went to Nam in 2018 that I I'm one of the OG guitar teachers as they call them the originals and I thought I, I genuinely thought I'd missed the boat with being a guitar youtuber because there was already a lot of people already established Marty Schwartz Justin Guitar all these other people in America like that were already selling DVDs and stuff like that selling books I was like oh wow there's there's no way I can be one of them but maybe well from me making the first lessons that I made, they were just to advertise one-to-one lessons. Mm. Um, And they were what got me fully booked as a one-to-one teacher because the YouTube lessons got views. So it was only people in Leeds finding them, uh, along with a few Skype students, really. But it was one of those videos back in uh, the start of 2013, which I believe now is still the most-watched guitar lesson on YouTube. Oh, is um, that the one that's like, uh, what is it? Play 10 songs with two easy chords. That's the one, yeah, 2013. That was filmed on a £20 webcam. I thought about the lighting and it's edited okay, but it looks like a kid's produced it, you know what I mean? But there's also something really disarming about it, um, which, you know, often people say, would, would you go back and change anything? Not one thing. There's something that works about it. And what you've got to learn with this stuff is it works, just leave it alone. And, uh, yeah, that, that's the one that changed everything for me, for sure. If, if that video hadn't been taken off or I hadn't made that one video, you probably wouldn't be bothered to speak to me now. Oh, I'm quite friendly. I would have spoken to you. <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much. But <laughs> I probably wouldn't even be, you know, called or known as Andy Guitar. You know, it's um, that, that video definitely changed everything for me. Just, just through so many... Um, opportunities but by opportunities I mean you know that gave me the confidence to put more time into it and say no to one-to-one lessons and other work so that it would then be a be a self-fulfilling thing you know what I mean if you put more time into it of course it's going to snowball hopefully. Did you did you find again that you're in the right place at the right time when Covid hit did your viewers grow exponentially as we kept being told that guitars were selling exponentially during that period did you have the same sort of impact on your business yes but i had a funny reaction to it um so in i've I've thought about this a lot actually because um yes there was a huge boost and i had the ideal series of videos which is my uh 10-day course Mm. and that 10-day course literally came out of me uh, years before doing the yoga with Adrian 30 day yoga and never getting past day 10 <laughs> and also so that that's me sort of being lazy but also when I've watched her other videos or when I watched the other ones I'm like ah, these aren't as good as those first I really like those first 10 so literally me having a lazy bone streak when I'll just I'll do that sort of thing which was more like really just being in a room with a student and just walking them through it as long as it takes, that's as long as the lesson will be, not leaving anything up to them to do. Um, and that that was the, it had already been up four years um, and getting a lot of views. It's now, it, it's for years been my most watched video, most months. Um, but that was the perfect course for most people in lockdown. Because if you weren't going to, if you were ever going to learn guitar, you, you started in lockdown, I guess. 
But looking back, I really wished I could have done more of like another real inspiration of mine is um, Joe Wicks. I really want to be the Joe Wicks of guitar. Like that is actually my North Star. Yeah. I just think that making what he does with exercise available to absolutely everyone from a four year old kid to a 91 year old who's literally in a wheelchair. He will get you literally moving your arms and enthusiastic and motivated. And that is my attitude to both music and for people learning guitar. Absolutely. Um, but I I couldn't bring... I, what I did was look at everything that I offered and went, ah, oh, I can just see all the flaws in it, actually, including from the website to my thumbnails to my video quality. I just looked at the views every, everything was getting and went, oh, I can just see a million ways everything can be better. And therefore, my priority was to change all that and to set us up set up all that rather than what i could have done which is more of the joe wicks thing and just go live five days a week mm. um and I, I know the going live thing really took its toll on joe wicks as well because just before the first one the p with joe thing he broke his arm or he broke his forearm or something mm. so we had to do the first well six the first six weeks of it which is all like the main ones with a broken arm but what a guy. But mm. I like to still go ahead with all that. Um, and I know I can say what a guy because I wasn't able to do that even though I was mm. physically able to do it. I just chose not to. Um, and I don't regret it because of what it's it's put us in a position now where I've got... Before the pandemic, I was literally doing all of this on my own apart from one developer a couple of days a week or one day a week. And then another video editor, maybe one or two days a week, but still doing so much myself video editing, along with all my own messages, customer service, Instagram, everything. Um, and now we have six full-time members of staff and another one part-time. And I, I wrote down, actually, because I wanted to lay it all out. Uh, we actually, I actually have to deal with 15 people every month just to keep the ship going forward, just to keep all the wheels turning. Um, which is a, a huge, that's been the biggest change. And I've made a lot of errors in that time as well. When I started hiring people, I thought I could keep everything the same as when I just had a couple of part-timers. And you just can't. You can't uh, structure things that way. You have to add a little bit of the corporate thing with things like weekly meetings and some sort of online um, hive mind thing where you can all write things down and have tasks ticked off. We use Notion, by the way. Have you guys heard of Notion? No, I haven't heard of Notion. Uh, Notion.so could change your life, especially if with anything collaborative. Um, give it all a Google because it's been fantastic for me. Um, but yeah, things like we use Slack now rather than mm. email, just anything to make it all communication and tasks and to-do lists as easy and as streamlined and as, as quick and effortless as possible. I learned all of that the hardest way. <laughs> I had no idea how to set it up. And I can now really see how if you've if you've properly built. So um, I first came across you guys when you first started talking to uh, Bruce John Dickinson of Waterbear. He's uh -oh. been a huge mentor for me and he's taught me through a lot of this stuff. But yeah, I can now see how you can do, build kind of one business. And if you build it a certain way and you get experience in that, even if you learn all the hard lessons... You can replicate it in other ways or other areas of your life, if nothing else. Um, so that's been the biggest learning curve. And we don't do it perfect, but do it a lot better than we used to. And that's the main thing. What I find is astonishing about that is, so you've got that number of people, right? When I'm not doing this, for three days a week, I'm executive director of something called the MIA, which is the Music Industries Association, which is the trade body for the musical instrument industry, right? So we, we count... Fender and Yamaha and Roland at one end and PMT and Guitar Guitar and Andertons and what have you at the other end and everything in between. And there's, and there's two and a half of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's double the resource available to you than is available to the MIA. And yeah, so... Uh... Which seems remarkable, but then <laughs> seems right at the same time almost. Well, there's a few things that really changed that. So one was... Um frankly, TikTok and Reels and this kind of daily content. 
because that all happened at the same time. That was mm. 2020 when that suddenly shot up. And before them, I mean, as, as YouTubers, we were kind of reeling because we were like, oh, God, we've got to embrace this short vertical content. But it doesn't earn you any revenue. It It's not ideal for like linking out to check out my course or anything. If people just watch your TikTok, they just want to watch your TikTok. They don't want to go somewhere else. They're, they're on TikTok. Um, and I think we were all like, I know we have to embrace it, but we really like YouTube. Can we just keep doing that? Um, but yeah, eventually I've, I figured out a way to do it, which is to basically have an editor chop up both my YouTube videos and I film reels as well as. Um, sometimes it's just playing the song. Sometimes it's doing a 30 second lesson of it. Sometimes it's just a quick tip, but we're constantly chopping up like widescreen videos into vertical content, which is hard for a guitar because a guitar is horizontal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you put one, this half on top and then the one hand on top and the other hand on the other, or sometimes a wide of me at the bottom, it works really well. All of that had to be like figured out on the fly. Um, and then the other thing is moving over to a membership. So um, as well as doing YouTube, I have a website, andyguitar.co.uk, which has always had bags of free content. I used to have courses on there, which I sold individually, books and DVDs and whatnot. But then we changed business model, and it was just before the pandemic as well. So I was incredibly lucky that we, we managed to just get in before then. Um, but we we pulled the plug and said it's going to be a membership. And this is 100% following the Scott's Bass Lessons model. Shout out to Scott Devine. He's a Leeds lad. He's still in Leeds. He's an absolute legend. And he's helped mentor me with a lot of this stuff as well. He was the guy that said, pull the plug. That was actually at the um, the London, one of the London guitar shows in 2019, one that I did some teaching at, actually. Oh, that was at the uh, the Future Publishing one, wasn't it? At um... It was the Guitar and Bass London yeah, one in 2019. Yeah, um... It was a good one, that. It was great. Uh, yeah, it was at the Business Design Centre in Islington. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was talking to him there and he was like, pull the plug, go for membership. Um, and it's a risk because, you know, all these courses that I was selling on DVD for 30 quid um, to make more of them. It wasn't worth making more of them, basically, because you sold one and then the revenue died after that, really. Yeah. So um, and when you every time the better we were making the website and the more users we got, the more our costs were going up because we had to try and keep up with the Joneses and just maintain the amount of traffic that we currently had. So we changed it to a membership, and, and I do weekly live streams. We have a Discord um, with that, with the um, tied to the membership as well. $9.99 a month, and that's transformed everything as well. And I think it's made it a ton better for actually the... the 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 guests are are you know the people in the membership the members um because they're now i couldn't do live stream i couldn't make live streams work before i tried doing live streams and we just have random people dipping in and dipping out and there was no consistency with it and now we have all these consistent people that check in with me every monday and keep their playing on track and then in between times they keep them um keep up with each other and get peer-to-peer support on the Discord, yeah. and they're all following my lessons. The community element of it is massive, absolutely massive. I and agree. Having done that, um, and everybody listens to this know that I, I, I do a podcast with Steve Hogarth of the Marillion, and that's a big Patreon base. But the community aspect of that group is what keeps that spinning. Because 100%. Actually, it's grown out of that. It's gone way beyond what we ever intended it would be, and that's all. And actually, bizarrely, Patreons really caught <clears> onto this because they've built communities now into the into their new app. And we were running with Discord as well, and effectively, we can replace Discord now with communities within the Patreon app for wow. what we need it for, and keeping it all in one place. So Patreon have clearly worked yes. out that you you get that there, you're going to get more people using that as their as their collection point. But that's yes. the bit that drives the um, the ongoing payment. Uh, yes, it's the content. Yes, it's the bonus. Yes, it's the early access. Yes, it's the bonus content. But the cherry on the, the cake is all the friends and all the relationships people are forming within that group. And, and the one thing they've got in common is they're all members of X, whatever it might be. It doesn't really matter what it is. But that's your common thing. And it, and it, and it, just, it just gives it a, you know, a momentum all of its own. It's incredible. 
It really does. And it's, I think it's just the case with learning an instrument in general, or even learning many things like languages. Unless you get peer-to-peer support, you will probably stop doing it. Because yeah. if you do anything new and it's difficult, but you really want to do it, at some point it will become hard and it's too easy to stop if you're just going, all, going through all of that alone. And as soon as you have someone else, so for someone going to the gym, that might be a gym buddy or playing sport. Um, for music, that might, for some people, be joining a band, but that tends only to be people of, of a younger age. It's harder for people to join bands as they get older. Um, and for online learners, it is absolutely these online communities. And then hopefully things like open mic nights or mm. you know, the teaching events that are sometimes put on, those sorts of things. It does actually work its way into the physical world. I mean, I was at um, really did a weekend in in Leicester, and the the community of people who who listened to the podcast um, all met for a picnic. There's like seventy people outside the De Montfort Hall on the Sunday on the Sunday lunchtime who have known each other for for you know, and and it, I think because that podcast started in lockdown as well, there was that shared sense of. Of experience at the beginning, these people, you know, are then sat on a out in the park on a lovely day, you know, in whenever it was May time, just 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 sharing a volivon. Um, so it so it does it does break through. It breaks into that to that real world, and it was a really it was a really really lovely chill with people you feel you know because actually you've been, you know, you've all been posting comments and and having chats for such a long time. You have, and you have the same reference points, yes, which have been lost with things like Netflix now, because not everyone has Netflix or a Disney Plus. So, or has watched watch the, same the same things. If you've not watched the same show, you can't talk about it. Yeah. Whereas when you have a community of people who've all watched the same stuff, like in this case, my lesson videos. Yeah. You have the same reference points, so you yeah. can talk to people about it, and you can't talk to you know your family or friends about it unless they're following Andy Guitar stuff, and they're probably not. It's probably yeah. you know one member of the family um and this is something i've seen from a couple of angles i've seen it with um so my lead web developer ran a salsa class um back when i started um well back when i first moved to lead in like 2010 um he's since basically run my website from like 2012 but his as part of the classes there was a huge social side to that, which for me was like a second university experience. And it was all run on his website. And it was really me seeing how he did that, that meant, oh, you know what you're doing with websites, because this is a lot more than a website. And the other huge reference, I would say, has actually been uh, Justin Hawkins of The Darkness doing Mm. his YouTube thing. I'm a huge fan of that. And I've therefore signed up to his Patreon. Therefore, you get access to a Discord community. And I've seen it from literally a fan side because when it comes to the darkness, I am just a fan. Um, and I've been like, wow, this is great. And I can I could also see what he was getting from it as well, which is that direct connection with mm-hmm. fans and actually having a little, just really knowing who your hardcore audience is um, takes away a lot of self-doubt or doubt about what you're putting out, like like the music you're doing and the gigs you're doing. It really does. It, it, having been that side of it, at least with the with the H stuff, it's 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 very empowering. Very very. If you're if you're part of the creative angle behind it, it's very it's very empowering. It, it's um, but incredibly incredibly powerful. And then the it, thing, of course, the other bit is how the direction the audience then takes you because they take it yeah. on again. They take it on again, and they inspire you, and they push you, and all manner of things that you don't expect. And then these weird, and then of course you realise that your your audience is really, really creative and really talented, and all those kind of things as well, because you start to hear some of the things they're doing, and you go, "Wow, you're a really cool bunch of people." You do, and I, can I compare that to what I was doing before the membership thing? Hmm. So when I just used to sell courses, and I was doing my own customer service, all I used to hear about were the issues people had. Yeah, this DVD doesn't work. This hasn't arrived. I can't download that. I can't get access to this. And honestly, sometimes you're like, is any, is anyone feeling okay about that? Am I doing a good job at all? And then um, when as soon as you have the Discord, like uh, the, we have a welcome thing where as soon as someone first starts using it, just say hello in this. 
Before I've replied to that, three other members have replied to it and made that person feel welcome. We also do um, an online uh, open mic night, open mic Sundays, where people can actually at any point in the week film themselves playing whatever they're learning at the moment. So that's a song, an exercise, a solo, absolutely anything. But we all share it on a Sunday. And from everyone being really timid and really scared to be on camera at all or perform or um, even post too much sometimes on the Discord, some people were really silent and just are those watchers. Um, that's got everyone involved. And of course, I led by example. I was filming stuff um, every, every Sunday the first time we started it off. Now I, I don't have to. They're all posting that. That community knows that's a safe thing to do. And it's made many of them, you know, go on to go to open mic nights or start, you know, create an Instagram and start sharing on that and just add other people who do what they do. Um, and that's a, that's an amazing motivator. And you need those, you need something to keep you accountable, if not on the daily, at least weekly. It doesn't matter even if you're just picking up your guitar 10 minutes a day. You need to know that other people are too because then you feel compelled to. It literally just eat, it, it triggers something within us to, to do it. Um, just like if I'm learning, I've always struggled, my struggle is learning languages. I just, I can remember music, that just sticks. Uh, languages and words do not stick. I have to know them again and again and again to get anywhere. Um, but if I was moving to Spain, or if I was meeting people week on week who they just spoke Spanish, you will pick it up. And if you do that for a certain length of time, then then it will come more and more natural. But you need other people around you. And I think it needs to be peers. It's not just teachers. It needs to be other learners as well. It can be a mix of levels. It can be absolute beginners to advanced. I mean, when I do group lessons, I, I, I do group lessons with total beginners, acoustic and advanced electric. How can we have the, both of those guys in the same lesson? Well, think of any of the greatest guitar songs ever. And you have a strummed guitar line and also advanced solos that probably go over it something like sweet child of mine you can just strum it as four chords for the vast majority of the song or you can learn the slash bit and kind of everywhere in between so that's an example and that's how it can really work or i've seen it really work well with these these community stuff um and it is rewarding as a teacher to see that as well i went through all of the songs that you've got like 14 years worth and i just wondered you know you're sitting there going oh christ what what song can i do next is the community suggesting songs to you yes in fact um yeah i'm they're able to share with me their you know practice guides some they've written by hand some they've made on some sort of online spreadsheet and i'll i'll absolutely have a nosy at that and also on on the live streams are really good because you can just get a feel for what's working for example some mm. of my biggest youtube videos recently have been these decade videos top 10 songs of the 70s with four chords. Yeah. You'll notice with all my titles, I try and get as many numbers in there as possible. <laughs> <laughs> it just does. YouTube likes numbers. What can I say? Top 10s and decade videos and stuff like that. But all of those songs have been run past people in the, um, in the live streams I do every Monday. And it's... Um, you just it, When you're on a good one, all the comments light up. And whenever we do something that's a bit more modern, like... 2000s or more bold than that comments just a lot less it's it's very tumbleweed i'm like oh okay even 90s i'm on i'm on prop uh, i'm on uh, premium members 90s is a lot less popular than i thought it would be for the for the majority but 70s is is the gold mine so, I, I mean that that's so surprise, many good fans it does really surprise me though because um so my godson um can't believe that i'm actually talking to you Oh, I, I, and I was like, it, I, I went round to their house a couple of weeks ago. He's just gone off to university, and I said, "Oh, I'm recording with Andy," and he was like, "Oh my god!" Just <laughs> like because he started learning COVID times. He found his dad had got an old guitar that was in the back of the wardrobe, sort of thing, and started playing. And of course, he's gone to university and he can play the guitar. So, you know, it's a great sort of icebreaker, isn't it, when you get to halls of residence and stuff, and where was I going with this? What were we talking about? Oh, Christ. Oh, sorry, Ben, if you do listen to this. Um, I was going to get you in. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, he's 18. That's where I was going with this. He's 18. And I'd have thought that 18-year-olds um, would have been more interested. You know, I look at my own kids. 
they're interested in modern music not 90s which is like oasis and 80s guns and roses blah, blah blah 70s led zeppelin rolling stones and stuff but it, it does appear because i teach at bim as well that 18 year olds are still really really into guns and roses and led zeppelin and stuff like that and it, it it's really weird because like when i was 18 that would have been like me listening to i don't know uh bill haley or something it would because it is that long ago what is it like yeah 1993 is 30 years ago now yeah so which is the same as the 90s was to yeah the 60s or something but um yeah the change with that is 100% the internet and it's 100% spotify and streaming music Mm. and social media just making all music omnipresent at all times um and I, i really felt the change in 2015 when which was the last time I was able to film a new song tutorial and it do well overnight. So I filmed um, Adele, Hello. Mm. I heard it on the radio that morning. I uh, instantly filmed it, put it up by midday. And, you know, by like midnight that night, it had already got like ten or 20,000 views and it was just going to skyrocket. After then, any new song, People just don't want to search for it. They don't want to learn it. It's all about learning the classics, which is really anything from some of the 2000s have become those, but even of the um, 2010s, for me, I'm only going to film like Imagine Dragons, Arctic Monkeys, the ones that can really fill a stadium worldwide. Because other than that, I may as well just film. There's so many more songs. And I'm not, like, Marty Schwartz has been releasing, you know, seven videos a week for the last 100 years. So (laughs) (laughs) he will film eventually every song ever. And I've decided I cannot. I'm not going to play that game. Um, But, yeah, of of the ones that are worth me, because I only release two YouTube videos a week. That's that's the deal I made with myself, really. to keep the momentum going. That's been the case for the best part of 10 years. I've maybe in that time, maybe released one video for one of those weeks, but it's pretty much been two a week forever. And if I'm only doing two a week, there's a lot of great songs from the mm-hmm. 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And there's really not as many that are guaranteed to get any views at all, even if they're played on the radio classic songs and there's a difference between you know a radio hit that people want on in the car or that someone will listen to and what they actually want to learn which one do you actually want to play at the moment my my two sons my two sons are 16 and 11 and at the moment josh is wandering around singing vienna by billy joel which you have to know billy joel to know that song because it's not it's not any top in these top hits it's top sort of um, you know the top ten or or what have you, and my son who is eleven is doing Spider Man transition edits uh, on his iPad to Tears for Fears. Everybody wants to rule the world. Where, where yeah. do either of those two things come from? The internet, TikTok, yeah, I mean, and I mean, Spotify, and some playlist that someone made that they happened to stumble upon, and then when they wanted to listen more to it, it more of it, it's all there. Whereas if you know. 15 years ago or 20 years ago, if you wanted to learn about this stuff, you just found new music in the enemy and then went to HMV and listened to it and bought it. Um, even in, even when we were doing all the, um, cause I, I'll be honest, I, I was at uni in the 2005s ish. So we did a lot of file sharing if, and not even through the internet. If someone had the CD collection, they digitized it. And then we shared that hard drive around. Yeah. So we weren't even using the internet. We were just using what what music we bought but we shared it with everyone and that was we were way more into what was released that year or that couple of years than the classics even in the mid 2000s as soon as it gets to the 2010s it's all about everything older have you not done though and i don't know i mean i I did go through all of the videos and some really leapt out uh which i want to ask you a question about one of them particularly because i just love the song um but like, have you done Taylor Swift? Because I would have thought plenty. That. Oh, you have plenty. My biggest one is you know the the easiest. That's my other one of my recurring um, titles. The easiest Taylor Swift song to play on guitar, which is "You Belong with Me," because it's only got four chords and it doesn't have a key change. A lot of those easy four chord songs, 
that are a bit of a ballad or a pop song, as soon as they've got a bloody key change, there's suddenly sharps in it and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> or you've just doubled the amount of chords that are in the song. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, damn, I can't, you know. There's no easy way to play it on guitar without bar chords, which suddenly means I look at that and go, not only is it not as snazzy a title on YouTube, but someone who's learning it can't play the full song if they're a beginner. Mm. So for me, I just go, okay, that's, I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to do that song. I'll choose another one by Taylor Swift. Yeah. So the one that really leapt out at me, and only because I wouldn't have thought that many people knew what it was, was uh, Jane Says by Jane's Addiction. Yeah, well, that one comes up on the searches a lot because it's a two chord song. Now, whether I don't know it super super well, so I, I don't know my Jane's Addiction super super well. There might be there there are different riffs in it, mm. but I think the basic two chords are G and A, so two beginner friendly chords, and there's no capo needed, which just puts it right at the top of my list for ones that I have to do. Right, and that probably wouldn't be the case for you know. Marty Schwartz or someone else, but for for me that's like no, I think it, it you know prime thing. when I learned, I think the first song I ever learned to play was "Sailing" by Rod Stewart. Yeah, because my sister's friend's older brother gave me. Um, I don't know if you're too young. Do you remember stuff that was done on a banding machine? So you got that sort of like purple ink. Yeah, no, like you're looking confused. Purple ink? No, I don't. I, I probably so, do, but I can't think. Of it. It was, it was um, how you photocopied before you photocopied. Yeah, it was. So you, so basically, it got some sort of like uh, paper that was purple. So you had like plain paper on the top with whatever it was on, and then you got like copy paper underneath, which I think is where CC comes from with emails, isn't it? It's yeah, carbon copy. copy. Yeah. Carbon copy, got you. And and it was a banding machine because it was like this big wheel, and you turned it, and it would impress upon the the purple paper underneath, which would then impress on a clean piece of paper. So he gave me some of these. Of, and, I, I, you know, I, I actually quite like Rod and the Faces. I'm not a big fan of the song Sailing, but I think it was only like four chords or something. I can't remember now. But actually, when you sit there as a beginner and you've played a song that you recognise, it's like a giant leap forward, isn't it? Because before that, I just got a chord book. And you look at a chord book and you go, E... Uh, but you don't know what you're doing and the chord books yeah. are certainly the chord books then were just like these are all the chords in e so <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know what i'm doing with this they weren't actually. actually what what they normally were were here's every possible way to play an e chord yeah yeah and that'll you're be the right, first yeah. 10 pages yeah and then the next 10 pages okay here's the next here's 100 ways to play an f chord because yeah. it's it's made by people making books um but i totally agree you need to there's a huge reward that comes from recognizing what you're playing, which comes from recognizing what you're playing in general, but then then that it matches a song that you know so well. And do you know, my first experience of that was actually using, this is probably the reason why I signed up for a music tech course at uni, um, was because it was, it was using a computer. It was using an Amiga Commodore 400. <laughs> It was using the music production software uh, Octomed. Anyone remember Octomed? No. no. See, I have an older brother who um, is 13 years older than me, and he was doing all this when I was uh, growing up, like when I was five, six years old. So I was seeing him doing all this, but when he moved out and, uh, well, had his first kid, he gave me all his old stuff so they could have the... um, third bedroom so yeah shout out to john crowley who's recently completed his first marathon at the age of like 50 so well done mate um but yeah that that was a way that using midi midi sequencing as a nine-year-old kid i was able to draw these dots on the piano roll you know i'm talking Mm, about yeah it's the grid and able to recreate melodies or drum patterns or stuff that i just heard on the radio um, or stuff that I was able to kind of musically keep in my head. And I cannot tell you how much of a help that was because I didn't, I, as much as um, my older brother played guitar, he was um, not great at teaching me anything. The first chord he taught me was a C chord. And as a nine-year-old kid, like on his <laughs> big, um, oh, what was the guitar he gave me? An encore um, Stratocaster style. 
So, which was just the heaviest guitar in the universe. This thing was heavier than like matter itself. So I was trying to play that, couldn't at all. So basically put it down, that stayed in the corner for the next four years. Um, but I was playing on keyboards. Uh, we had a piano in the house and uh, and on, on these softwares. And pianos as well and keyboards, they don't hurt your fingertips. Mm. Guitars do from day dot. Adult or kids, they hurt your fingertips. There's a physical aspect to it. That was a huge help. But being able to see it on the screen meant that when I was learning guitar from age uh, 13, um, I didn't have a teacher other than a couple of a few school lessons, which I was terrible at. It was probably the, one of the worst in the class. Um, but I was uh, at 13 through plugging away in my bedroom. I was able to find the things that I could already play on kind of a keyboard or that I could draw in in this software. And uh, that was a huge help. And I, I, I've always kept up with the production side with uh, Cubase, Nuendo. Um, although I always loved the recording software where you could do MIDI with it as well. GarageBand's amazing these days. Mm. If I had GarageBand, it would have been even more superb because it just oh. sounds so professional and so plug and play. And I never gave GarageBand the credit before I actually had it to play with and saw what you could do with it. To be fair, it's got a lot better over the I, I don't know uh I, I bought my new <clears throat> macbook um right at the start of covid because mm. I'd, I'd gone from lecturing in a classroom to actually having to lecture online and my old macbook which was 10 years old at that point could it could cope with being on the internet doing a powerpoint plugging it in doing it at you know uni and everything but it couldn't cope with having to be on zoom at the same time so i sort of like you know <laughs> bought a new one and of course you get like an updated version of garage the garage band has stopped updating on the old one because it just couldn't cope with the new version of carriage band so when i got it i was like where is everything you know it's yeah and, it, and it's now logic light isn't it really? it is 100 percent, and that's amazing these days because if you do want to do it more professionally i i would use logic to mm. record an album out of choice if i was having to mix it or anything um and it's it's got all the like it even does its own mastering even on garage band and it's all yeah. on one button mm. you know try and master your own song as a kid you're like you've never even heard of it whereas just by pressing buttons kind of randomly and figuring out what stuff does oh that makes it louder but it doesn't distort great because louder always sounds better right um but yeah the visual of stuff was super super helpful it wasn't until I was literally at college or probably at uni that I was literally 18 years old before I could actually record a guitar at home and mm. record the audio as well. So I didn't get software to do that until uni. But as soon as you start doing that, you get to see the waveform, mm. see whether you're in time or not. And you're not because it's kind of impossible to be directly in time with something. You're always a little bit out. You want to be in the pocket. How big is that pocket? Let's zoom in and have a look. Where is where is it? And um, now that was a huge help, which is why I took the step to do lots of um, uh, on-screen help with all my videos, basically since I had the editing help to do it. That, that's why I need help. I can't do all the on-screen chords, strum along um, diagrams and prompts for the next chord, like even like in a chord progression. We don't quite go as far as having the bouncy ball that some of the apps do now. But we we're not far off. We'll literally tell you which bar you're on at a certain time mm. uh, in a chord progression and a full song play along, for example. And that's me thinking back to when I was learning and needing that visual that something like literally Optimhead gave me back when I was nine. Uh, and I see how much you know. Some people are visual learners. Some people can learn just by listening. As much as you can. Some people learn by doing. Kinetic learners. And as much as you can make all those things connect together. You're just going to supercharge learning, and it's just easier. Wow, I think it's probably about time we drew that. We've been rabbiting on for nearly an hour, um, <laughs> which has gone in, in in like literally, it's gone in the click of a finger. Yeah, um, as, as you can tell, I don't often think about this stuff much. No, 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 no. Clearly, <laughs> I don't dwell on it. No, I'm, I'm determined not to ask you about something like neighbours because we might be on for another hour. Um, <laughs> Andy, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for your time. And I think at some point you really need to come back on. We need to because I reckon we could pick this oh, up and go you. again and carry on talking about a whole raft of raft of stuff. Thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Jace, back in the saddle. 
Back oh, in the yes, sand, mate. it feels like old times, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. Well, well we've been talking note, over each other all, all the time. It's been like nipping like away. I know, I know. On that note, we should stop. So I'm going to stop. All right? I'll stop too. <laughs> Thanks for listening to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. If you've enjoyed the show, then please remember to hit the subscribe button and share with other like-minded souls. For more information about 9 to 42, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Guitar Show UK. This has been an A Short Stories production. Hold up. 